raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. This is Trackside with Kurt Cavan and Kevin Lee. I have been trying a long time, as you said. I think it's been 10-plus years I've been trying to run this race. You know, it's not from a lack of effort, but it, I've also been preoccupied with other activities. I've been really fortunate to have a, a great IndyCar career, and I've had an opportunity every year to be racing. So, you know, I'm not sad about anything, but this is just the first year that it's really worked out. And as you said, to be able to do it with my, my bus bro, Scott McLaughlin, uh, it's going to make it more special. So it's just, you know, really good time for us, and I'm hoping we can, you know, have a good event and enjoy it together. The way you got to drive it is kind of similar to the supercar in some ways. Like it's quite a, a heavier car than the Indy car um, in a few, few other ways, but it's a, it's a blast, you know. Um, so many buttons you can push in the, in, the, in, the, in the thing and everything lights up. It's a pretty nice car. It's just really small. I feel like like Donkey Kong in there. You know, we feel good with Tower Motorsports. We Obviously, they got a great track record. Right? Drivers, John and Kiffin. Like Kiffin's a blast. He's, he's great silver. He's a shoe and he's very, very light. And then John, he's a great bronze. Yeah. So I think, like, we have the recipe. We have a great team behind us. Let's just do our thing and see what happens. It's Rolex 24 week, and the Bus Bros are part of the IndyCar contingents. You heard from Joseph Newgarden and Scott McLaughlin. And uh, the main storyline this weekend as well is the introduction of hybrid power, and that gives us a bit of a sneak peek of what's coming to IndyCar in 2024. It's also the start of a new era with the new top-class GTP cars in IMSA. It's a bit of a new era for the top step of the IndyCar development ladder. Indy Next, formerly Indy Lights, was on track today for the first time on Firestones in recent years. And there were 19 cars testing at Homestead. And the IndyCar full-time grid is now set. Hello, welcome, thanks for joining us. Trackside, a day early, Monday nights. Uh, for an hour tonight, we'll pack as much as we can in. And a reminder that, let's see, it looks like the next six weeks, seven, eight, nine weeks, we are pretty much back to normal. So we are Tuesday night next week, January 31st from 7 until 9. And that show will be from the Palm Springs area, from the IndyCar preseason test. That'll be after the first day of content day. So we should have, hopefully, a lot of content on the show. Full two hours next Tuesday night, then the following Tuesday, and so forth. So our next one-hour show isn't until February 28th. So that's the game plan moving forward. And we'll get into all the things that we have to discuss tonight, including your tweets at Kevin Lee 23 at Kurt Cavan. I am Kevin. That is Kurt. Josh Molinix is back in our studios in downtown Indianapolis. Um, we liked one of the great things about both of us have spending our life working in the sports world. We like to call it the toy department. And there's normally not a lot of serious issues. It's fun. It's frivolity. It's quote games. We know the people participating. It's more than games, but we're fans. Um, but we are going to start the program tonight. On a serious matter, I think both of us feel like the, the people that listen and participate in the show have been family for, what, 15 years now we've been doing this program. And uh, you have some unfortunate news that you want to share with our friends and family. Yeah, one of our biggest race fans, honestly, uh, one of the first real fans of our show passed away last night. He was my father, Mark Cavan, who who really had such a love of not only 
what we do in a race show, but you know, how we go about business and how you and I, you know, report and, and cover the news and, and distribute information. You know, he's a very private person, uh, who was very observant and quiet, but very much enjoyed the process and loved watching us work. Uh, he would have loved to have watched us do, you know, we do these, these shows more often now in a recording from a standpoint of, of being able to visually see each other and being in studio. He would have loved us to sit and watch us work. So my dad passed, uh, yesterday. I'm a little bit unprepared for this show because kind of the outpouring, uh, I made mention of it on social media, but the outpouring has been unbelievable and just responding to people and people telling stories of, of my dad's uh, basketball out exploits and and so forth. Uh so just a really interesting day for me. Uh strange. I've kind of known this was coming, so it's but it doesn't make it easier. Yep. But when you have people uh not only who are important personally, but you know such great fans of of our sport and our show, uh I thought it was important to kind of lead off the show and just just say how appreciative I am of everybody reaching out and you know we we don't um we only have one mother and one father. And when those, when you lose one of those, it's, it's a, it's a life altering moment in one's life. And so I'm sure that will be that for me. And, uh, so anyway, we take this moment and I certainly appreciate the, the following that he had for our sport and for us as, as, uh, content creators. And you asked me if I wanted to do the show tonight. Of course I want to do the show. My dad would get right back to work and he'd want to know what was happening in the sport. And, you know, you followed the Rolex and the Ro- the Roar at 24 a little closer than I have, a lot closer, actually. But we've got so many IndyCar people uh, participating in the, the sports car event at Daytona. My dad's been to Daytona. He would want to know what's been going on. And, and so I wanted to hear it just as much as I wanted to participate tonight. So I think we should get right to it. Okay. Um, I'll miss seeing him at the Burger Bash. That was always one of the memories of kind of overseeing the Burger Bash over those years um, so we, we salute Mark uh, tonight on the program. So from Daytona, and I, I will admit, normally I come back with a lot of nuggets from the IndyCar world, but this was kind of an in-and-out trip. I, I got there Saturday afternoon, and we did a qualifying show yesterday afternoon, which uh, I'm glad we did because it was kind of significant. It was the beginning of a new era. There are a lot of unknowns. Nobody knows how the hybrid is going to work. You know, when can you touch the car? Um, there's... This is the this is like the old days. It really was an endurance race in the 60s and 70s, and it was whoever spent the least amount of time behind the wall, in the garage, whatever, is probably going to win the race. Well, in the last, I don't know how many years, 10, 15 or so, no, it's been a sprint race the entire time, and it gets bunched up with cautions and so forth, and you finish with five uh, within five seconds for the lead. This year, there is a feeling like eh, the winner might, uh, have spent 30 minutes behind the wall or, or more than that. And if you can just stay on the track the entire time, then you're probably going to win the race. And there is the chance that an LMP2, the second class, which is about four seconds a lap slower, might win the overall race because they just don't know because these hybrids are so complicated and supply chain issues and everything else. People are short on spare parts. You might see a Wayne Taylor car with a Meyer Shank nose on the car because they are both Acuras and they're, they're sharing things. And that's kind of the way it's been working. You definitely saw that in some test sessions 
in December leading up to it. So that's one of the fascinations. And, and as I mentioned, we're curious how this works. And, you know, I am far from a techie, but I was privileged enough. Calvin Fish and I had basically a 45 minute one on one tutorial with the smartest, one of the smartest people you're going to come across, David Salters, the president of Honda Performance Development, who is not your typical president of such company. He is an engineer with a background in all forms of motorsports, including Formula One, that just tried to explain how things work to Calvin and I. And we're just starting the process. So we've got some more calls with IMSA people. And I suspect this process is going to be very similar to what we're talking about a year from now when IndyCar starts doing hybrid. So it's fascinating. It brings in a new era of strategy. You know, this is kind of getting in the weeds a little bit, but I think sports car fans generally speaking, do enjoy this part of it. So those are some of the things, especially when we're on USA and when we're on Peacock, that we will be exploring over the weekend. And I would say the one IndyCar nugget I did uh, run into, uh, I saw Ed Jones, who's one of, he's not one of the current IndyCar drivers involved, but he's in an LMP2 and just in the normal chatting about how things are going. I said, hey, is there still any life for an Indy 500 deal as I was once hearing? He said, yes. Yeah, I'm still, he didn't use the word, but I'll use it. I'm still efforting to uh, get an Indy 500 deal together, and there's still some traction. So with those few remaining seats that are available, it it sounds like, you know, you can still put Ed in in that scenario. I did not have a chance to catch up with Elio to see where things stand for the Daytona 500. Um, You know, I'm still hearing that that's a pretty decent chance of that happening, and that goes back to him winning an SRX race Last year, Don Hawk promised to find him a ride, and and I think there's still some momentum for for that to happen. Um, I mentioned this in the last segment last week, so I, I do want to mention this here. We had talked at the top of the show about Will Power doing his first Rolex 24, and we did get that in at the very end last week. I think it broke right after the show started that, unfortunately, he's not going to be able to be there, and credit to Will for having his priorities straight. His wife, Liz, is going through some health issues, spent some time in the hospital, and is back home now. I've not heard any updates since last Tuesday night, but he said, you know, I need to be at home. So credit to Will for that, and we wish the best for Liz and Will and hope all is going well at that point. But that that reduces by one the number of the IndyCar drivers that are there. Um, I don't know that we'll go through the entire list, but I think it's 10 full-timers, plus quite a few Indy Next drivers. You know, they were on track yesterday in sports cars. They were on track today in the Indy Next, formerly Indy Lights cars at Homestead. A few road to Indy drivers getting their first sports car opportunities. Um, And just generally speaking, like I said last week, it's just a fun atmosphere, and it feels like the start of race season. I know we've had the Chili Bowl. I know Supercross is going on, but this is road racing. This is cars. This is as close as you're going to get to IndyCar racing, and it's most of the IndyCar. All the prototype teams, all but Wayne Taylor. Actually, no, because Wayne Taylor Racing is now associated with Michael Andretti. Uh, All the prototype teams are affiliated with IndyCar teams, so it is very much connected. So one of the things that was discussed today at the office and, and we took note of is that Andretti Autosport, which has four drivers, all of them mm-hmm. participating in the in the Rolex, they all potentially could be class champions. They're all in different classes. Four guys, Devlin De Francesco, Ramon Grosjean, Colton Herta, and Kyle Kirkwood. And I can't tell you which class is which. 
you have that list. But the point is they're all in different classes. Wouldn't it be something if, if they all could, uh, could, could win a, win a class now, probably not likely, but it's interesting that they have the opportunity. Um, and Colton has two chances. That's one of the unique scenarios. Colton is entered in both of the BMW RLL cars. They're in the top class, which is now called GTP, dating back to, you know, really a, um, a, a very unique and popular era in the 80s and early 90s in sports car racing. It's the LMDH car. It's, it's a car that can also run at Le Mans, but he is the fourth driver in both of those cars. So he'll get his drive time done in one car. And then move over to the other car, and he's got two chances for a Rolex. And by the way, this could be his third different class that he gets a Rolex in. He won one the first time around in GTLM. Uh, he won last year in LMP2. That was the one with uh, Devlin DeFrancesco and Pato Award as a part of that team, and now could get one in the top class. And while BMW does not have pace, this is the year where pace does not necessarily matter. If they're able to avoid problems, they could still win the race overall. So how unusual is it that one driver would be assigned to two different cars? I don't remember that in my time of covering the event. It's so my my time covering the event is now 5 years and I don't know if I've seen it in those 5 years, but I know it used to be pretty prevalent. Now what we have seen a few times is a driver in two different cars. Ben Keating does that sure, a lot of times. Sure. He'll be in an LMP2 car and a GTD car or something like that, because as he's very honest, I want two chances to win a Rolex. Uh, I've got a lot of money. I'll help fund those cars, and and I like driving those cars. Um, so I know it has happened often in the past. I don't know if it's happened in the last few years, but it's not out of the ordinary. It happens a lot in the second class in their sort of – top step of their ladder, the Michelin Pilot Challenge. It's usually two or three cars where you'll see one guy as a third driver because it's kind of in between in a four-hour race, whether you want two or three, so they'll split that up there. I think it makes sense in this case. Three is, in many ways, from a competitive standpoint, better because if you have four, that means it's four drivers that you want to get up to speed. You want track time in practice, and that is very difficult to come by. So for the race, you would prefer for the whole weekend, you'd prefer to have three. Yes, you can have a little bit more rest time with four, but still just to have a groove, they can avoid more than a couple hours of sleep and get it done. The problem is, is if you have three and one gets sick or has back spasms or something else like that, then you're in major trouble because the drive time still has to be uh, done. So then you're in trouble. And that, that's the kind of in between that they have a fourth. He only needs to drive. He doesn't have to drive four and a half hours in each car. He splits it two fifteen in each car. So that's doable. So it'd be fun to watch and see how that works out. Raise a spoon to grandma who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the play play slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. 
and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate Will's not going to be participating. I know he was very much interested in in doing this event for the first time, and and as the reigning NTT IndyCar Series champion comes with a certain level of of respect from the media and the fan bases and so forth. So so that's unfortunate, but I do think the New Garden McLaughlin pairing is yeah. is really interesting as well. And uh I had a chance to talk to Kiffin Simpson as you probably did a week or so ago. He's in that car as well as a as a next driver, Indy next driver and uh you know, it's just interesting that that his opportunity in an event of this magnitude comes with uh, really a, a big time set of teammates. Kiffin said it was pretty cool when they, uh, first went to the test because he had tested the car before. This is his first time in this class, but he had done some tests last fall. And when Joseph Newgarden showed up in December, he's never driven this kind of car. So here's this kid who's 18 years old, uh, sort of coaching a two time IndyCar champion, one of the greatest drivers of his generation. And by the time he's done, maybe one of the greatest drivers ever. And he said, yeah, that didn't last very long. He he picked it up pretty quickly. And he said, for me, what it was, was hugely beneficial to learn how Joseph learned something new, learns a new track, learns a new car, what his process is, how he goes about his business. So he said, mostly, I'm just going to shut up and listen and watch uh, how this all goes. Now, Kiffin did uh, raise some eyebrows from the group and they did a press conference yesterday afternoon and you know, it's a strong lineup. Uh, and, and by the way, that car won the championship last year with John Ferrano, who's the gentleman driver. And for those that don't, don't understand that term, that means that's the guy who's paying for it, who is a professional, has made a lot of money in something else, and then is hiring other pros generally around him. So he's the bronze driver. Uh, he won the championship with a young driver named Louis Delatraz, who's now joined Wayne Taylor Racing and is really, really good. Uh, but but Kiffin said, yeah, we're, we're, you know, we're the team to beat. And McLaughlin was like, whoa, hold on here. Let's not get ahead of ourselves because there's a lot of other stout lineups in, in that class as well. Kind of cool. Austin Sendrick is one of those. He's in the Rick Ware racing car. I was walking through the garage and he's on Devil and D Francesco's car. So that is a visual watching the two of them do driver change practice. First of all, a prototype car especially an LMP2, basically has a little fighter cockpit over it. It's it's an open cockpit car is the way they used to be. And then just a little bubble of not glass, but, you know, it looks like clear plastic over the top. And I remember when Elio for, first started doing this, it, it was when I asked him about it, claustrophobia sets in. It is a tight confinement. And Austin Sindrick is 6'3", 6'4". And then standing next to Devlin, who's about five foot five, that was a bit extreme. So they have to deal with the seat differences for the two of them. But I wanted to see how Austin got in and out of the car. And then I happened to stand in the the uh, food tent line with him for probably 30 minutes. So we chatted for a long time about it. He said, yeah, it's, it's what I'm used to. It's normally uh, pretty difficult, but this one is about as tough as it can get. Uh, and, and harder than a GTD car, but they got the hang of it. And and that's one of the many, many intriguing lineups. You know, normally you think of the superstar pro drivers in the, the top class, but they are all spread about. There are pro drivers in LMP3, like a Gabby Chavez, 
Um, in LMP2, you've got factory drivers like Ollie Jarvis is back in that class. And, and then you've got the normals in the GTP class and the GTD class. So here's your little one on one. If you're watching this weekend, there's GTD Pro, which used to be GTLM and those were faster cars. Those were the coolest of the cool cars, the Corvettes and the BMWs, the Porsches and the Ferraris. Well, that went away. So it's the same class of cars that like Kyle Kirkwood drives and has driven with Lexus with Townsend drove. The only difference is the GTD pro class can be all pros. There needs to be a couple of AMs in the GTD, but the car is the same. The specs are the same. And in qualifying yesterday, the fastest pro car was fourth overall. The three AM cars were faster with one of their pro drivers in that car. So as we like to joke, we tend to try to make sports car racing as confusing as possible. And that's one more way we've done that when we're looking at those classes and the GTD is just as likely to finish ahead of the GTD pro car uh, as not coverage this weekend. Let's see. We start on NBC for an hour at one thirty on Saturday afternoon. Then we go to USA, I think until eight o'clock. Then we're, I know I've got this written down somewhere. It's all, by the way, all, 24 and a half hours pre and post is going to be on Peacock. So if you just want to leave it there, you can. Uh, then we're going to be Peacock in the evening. Who's your booth man for the uh, midnight to two stints? I'm your Huckleberry. Me, I, I've got the NASCAR crowd. It's me and Jeff Burton and Steve Latart. And Parker Kligerman is our pit reporter, who is an active NASCAR driver. So um, I'm not sure who's leading. I might have Calvin Fish on on speed dial there. For, for any questions that, that come about to us, uh, at that point. And then I know we finished the last couple of hours on Sunday are going to be on, uh, NBC as well. Here it is 2.30 to 8, 10 to 12 on Saturday and 6 a.m. to noon on USA. So if it's not on USA, then check Peacock and beginning and end of the race are going to be on NBC. And then we have the Michelin pilot challenge race on Friday afternoon. And Robbie Wickens is one of those involved in, in that series again this year. When is your nap time? What time do, do you get to? So I, my schedule is not bad at all. Uh, I, I think actually others have worse because there are some, generally everybody overnight gets six hours off the air. Um, if you're on till two, you're not on the 6 a.m. You know what? Yeah, there might be some. I think maybe Latart might be with me until two, and then he might be back on at something like eight ish a.m. on the pit box. I get done at two, and I don't have to be back on until 10. That's not like you're going to get eight hours of sleep because it's pretty much an hour round trip to the hotel. Uh, back and forth. And, you know, if I'm on the air at 10, I really need to be in the track by, I'd say, eight, something like that, because you got to get caught up on what's happened and, and try to finish. So what I tend to do is if I get three hours of sleep, I feel pretty good. If, if I wake up at 5.30, 6, I just turn on the TV and try to catch up on what's going on and or or use my DVR and fast forward through cautions and as much get caught up as much as I can because that's the biggest challenge of doing this is that you yes. jump on board and and overnight is when things always seem to happen. You wake yep. up and somebody that was a contender is no longer in the race. What happened? Yeah, it's like a it does it does prove to be almost like a new race by the time you tune back in. Uh I've 
when I covered it, I stayed close to the racetrack and and didn't have a, an hour back and forth. But yeah, we you turn to, on the was nice. You, tur- <laughs> you turn on the TV and and you're like, yeah, wh- where did this guy come from, or where what happened to these three cars? And and you you know you don't have time. There's not a lot of time to catch people back up sometimes if they haven't been watching for for four or five hours. So yeah, I really take my hat off to to those of you who have to broadcast this because or get to broadcast it, but. It's a, it's a challenging thing with all the different classes and drivers and personalities. And then the competition is just fun too. And so I usually joke that my first goal is to not get hit by a car because as a pit reporter, we are over the wall. We have the ability to do that. And I'm not, not a huge fan of that, but to do the job well, you really have to be over the wall because every team is fully tinted up. And you cannot stand behind the pit box and see anything. Yes, I have a little monitor, but I won't know when anybody's pitting. I won't be able to see who's getting in the car. You know, that's the biggest challenge with four drivers is that you got to figure out who is next getting in the car when you call a pit stop and trying to assess things. So what we generally do is we are walking over the wall and just trying to not get hit. Uh, now, we also add in when a car leaves in the top class in GTP, the engine does not fire. They leave on electric power. It is the whooshmobile. I'm standing next to the car yesterday with headsets on. It leaves. I hear nothing. If I take the headsets off, I can hear the just a, a, a very gentle whoosh. And then the internal combustion engine picks up when they get up to full speed, probably 10 seconds or so after they've left the pit lane. But one, it's really fascinating, and it's kind of unique, and it's kind of cool, but that's just a different aspect of it. Oh, and by the way, I guess I'll add in a third. Trying not to get electrocuted. There's a green light on the car, which means it's okay to touch. Red light comes on, everybody get away, and then they have a protocol as to what is to happen. Um, And and there's basically like a safe spot near pit in, you know how you normally have the, uh, the the penalty box in a sports car race at pit out? Well, in this case, you have the electrical issue box at pit in, and there's also one around the track. I think it's between turns two and three or something like that. They have a place where, if they're on the track, between maybe NASCAR two and three, where the car is to pull off, and then they go through protocols with the expert electricians, uh, the, the really smart people coming over to make sure it's safe to touch and you know, doing the control alt delete and everything else that, that comes along with that. So not that I'm touching the car anyway, to begin with, uh, but that's just one more, you know, the, the, the crew people have to make sure before they, they do a pit stop, make sure that light is green. If it goes red, which is usually because a, a wire was cut or they may have just a malfunction. It's nope. Everybody away. Let's figure out why it's not safe right now. And that's part of the drama. Who can avoid that? And last for 24 hours. That's fascinating. And and by the way, when you get back to IndyCar racing, AJ Foyt's car is the one you always have a red light. Never touch that car. Just for your own so safety. So in general, like I said, I don't touch <laughs> any cars to begin with. And, you know, I see people lean on wings. And, no, 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 I'm not touching anything. I know it's yeah. pretty sturdy, but I'm not touching it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the trials and tribulations. I won't a- even touch the car that I have funded and helped fund. In in the junior level, Jackson's car. No, I'm not touching the car. Well, I guess I have. Well, that, I've got stickers on it. <laughs> that's for another reason. That's your uh, ineptness 
to uh, to to contribute mechanically to the car. That's a different yeah, that's story. Correct. Actually, the worse is the dad who thinks he can contribute. It's much better the dad that knows he cannot and goes away. <laughs> <laughs> true that. True that. Oh, funny stuff. Uh, so what else? You know what I think we want to get into coming up in just a moment. Let's do this. Let's go back to the field being full. Yes. At the end, I think I got to where things stand for the Indy 500 and my best guesses on how that's going to finish up. So we'll do that one more time in just a moment. And uh, there are a few other nuggets. I didn't really have time last week to talk about my visit to Thermal and what I thought of that and what we're going to see coming up for IndyCar Spring Training. Twitter questions are welcome at Kevin Lee 23 at Kurt Cavan. Much more to come. It's Trackside, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hi, this is Joseph Newgarden, and you're listening to Trackside. Race season is here. Uh, we had Indy Next cars testing today at Homestead. Um, we have the Rolex 24 coming up this weekend. We've got IndyCar testing coming up right after that. Some will be going basically straight from the Rolex 24. Almost half of the field will be heading out to Palm Springs. I guess they could stop by home, but they need to be out there by, what, next Tuesday morning for, for yeah. the beginning of content day. So most people are going to go straight from Daytona out to uh, Thermal. I'll even slip in one more racetrack in between. I'm going to go on Sunday night from Daytona to Homestead. I'm, I'm doing a little presentation for the Lucas Oil Formula Car Series scholarship shootout. Um, I touched on this a, a little bit ago. I'm kind of wandering off on a tangent, but this is is pretty cool that they have a shootout. This is what Jackson did a few years ago, and Jackson is coaching for them again to to offer up a scholarship for a full season and second prize is a half season and so forth so that full scholarship is worth whatever that costs for a season 80,000 something like that if you win their regular season championship it's now a quarter of a million dollars to take to either USF 2000 or TCR in sports cars or F4 something like that so that is about Two-thirds to three-quarters of the budget in the past. I think it was seventy or 80000 So that's a significant step up from Lucas Oil and the Lucas Oil Formula Car Series with uh, Neil Enerson and R.C. Enerson is their, their chief instructor now. So uh, we'll be going down to that. I'll spend a day there, and then I'll head out to Thermal for a couple of days, and we'll learn some things coming up next week in IndyCar. And we have now a full field of 27 drivers. 27 cars are set. 28 right for the oval races with ed carpenter added for those yeah with with uh takuma sato at at um chip ganassi racing and sharing that car with marcus armstrong that's kind of a good you know last piece to the puzzle if you will stingray rob 
finally confirmed, you know, after much uh, deliberation and probably some negotiation with uh, with Dale Coin Racing with with Rick Ware and. And, you know, and that's so, good to know. We, we had that question last week. Was Rick involved? Somebody noted that they didn't see uh, IndyCar mentioned on the bio, the Twitter, or whatever. And after the show, after we mentioned that, it had been added back on, and then they are were a part of the release. So fantastic that Rick Ware, who in a smaller way is like Michael Andretti, he's got a footprint in pretty much every racing series. He's in Supercross now. He's in IMSA. Uh, they've done some European Le Mans and obviously the NASCAR program as well. So I just want to touch on that, that Rick Ware is still very much involved with Dale Coyne Racing. So we know now that we've got the 27 regular cars. As you mentioned, Ed Carpenter's car shows up at, at the Oval Races. And I think after Indianapolis, I think that car will be pretty regular. I, I would expect uh, some kind of, of situation uh, the way the Simona Di Silvestro car ran last year in that program, or maybe that's a Linus Lundquist opportunity. Uh, I, I think we'll see that car in a third role, third full-time, if you will, or third regular basis. Uh, I think we'll see that car more often in the second half of the season. And so that's the lineup. And I think, what do we got? Four rookies in that group. Augustine Capanini, uh, with Hunkos and, and Marcus. We're, we're going to have a lot of names for him this year, aren't we? Yeah. I think I did Can- it wrong. Canapino? Canapino. I, I got it wrong a few weeks ago. Well, I don't have it, uh, <laughs> written in front of me and you have to look at it. Uh, my guys that I work with were, a couple just jokingly called a cappuccino and i was like don't do that to me i'm gonna have to it's gonna say be like it. a santucci no let's don't let's let's try to pronounce it correctly so we don't start slipping on that so that that car is is a, a rookie driver and benjamin peterson which i always have to be careful how i spell it because it's got a lot more ease in peterson than than i would have uh designed and so that car at aj foyt and then stingray rob at, at at D DCR uh, will be interesting to watch. And I don't know. I was trying to think if, if one of those is the favorite for rookie of the year, but I think stingray Rob probably has to be uh, Marcus Armstrong, the other one, but he's only on the road and street circuits for chip Ganassi racing. So I think probably stingray Rob is your rookie of the year candidate to beat uh, as you look at the field for 2023. Well, Dale coin racing has the track record of getting rookies up to speed very well. Very quickly. So, um, yeah, I think that would be where I would start at this point. Let's, so Stingray has been announced since we last talked. So let's spend, I know you had something you wanted to jump in, but then let's spend a moment on, you know, what's very notable. Stingray has come up through the ladder and he's now an IndyCar. And, you know, last summer, even after the season, he finished second in the championship, won a race had done things and you know i think we all kind of agreed if you're going to spend money it it what does make sense for him even though maybe you could argue he could use a little bit more time but my ultimate thought was no you finished second at least from a resume standpoint you have something that you can go show to people and if you've got budget together instead of spending another million plus uh, let's use that money and try to raise a little bit more to get as many indycar races as you can but I wasn't sure there was going to be a home for him. Turns out, I think they did. I don't know, have no idea what number they raised, but we since have learned that, yeah, I think he was in the best financial position, had the most to offer combined with second in the championship. I know he didn't have as good a year as Linus Lundquist did, but 
this is a different sport. Has to be a combination of success, showing that you're capable, and being able to raise the budget. And Stingray had the closest to that full package in that scenario, and that's why he gets the seat and will have a chance to show what he can do. Well, I think I think he's the um, miss. I don't know if it's it's not misunderstood. Miss his his resume. Miss miss. Um, it's just not it's just not known to everybody because it was so competitive last year at Andretti in the Indy Lights program that you know you were always ever talking about you know Matthew Brabham on the road courses or Christian Rasmussen or Hunter McElray or you know I mean. Which driver were you going to single out if you were trying to analyze the cars at Andretti and for him to finish the highest among those four drivers? Now, you know, you could make the argument that they were all pretty equal in their various categories and various racetracks, but still very impressive for him, him to finish second. And that's the point I was going to make. It's almost one of the quietest second place finishes that we've had in recent years because, and not because Linus Lundquist was so dominant, but just because the Andretti, you know, was so crowded in terms of championship contenders and race potential winners. So it's interesting from that standpoint. Keep in mind, and I don't think he had the, the light season or the lights career of David Malukas, um, who is now is going to be his teammate at Dale Coin Racing, but. David Lucas was second to Kyle Kirkwood in his final Indy Light season. And, and as we go back to Stingray, you mentioned another season. He had already spent three seasons in Indy Lights. So I had think he? he was, yeah, he, he, I'm pretty sure he'd been three years at, uh, maybe not, maybe two, maybe just I think two. it was two and he did three in Pro Mazda Indy. Yeah, Pro I think 2000, you're right. No, I think because right. that's where he started. He, he started and knew it was going to be. Uh, it was going to take some time, but he started at whatever he was, sixteen or seventeen in in Indy Pro two thousand. So it's it's a it's an interesting combination, and I think one that's going to be very interesting to watch at at Dale Coyne's team because you got two drivers whose combined age is like forty two. Uh, they are both, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, Stingray is actually older than David Malukas. They're both yeah. born in September of twenty uh, two thousand one. Uh, so, you know, he's actually what five, seven, 15 days older, uh, than David Malukas. So it, it's a very young pairing, but I think it one will be interesting to watch because I think Stingray will, will overachieve based on what expectations are. Uh, and I think, you know, given Dale Coyne's team's ability to get drivers up to speed, as you mentioned, will be uh, very much to his benefit. By the way, speaking of Indy Next, uh, sometimes TracksideOnline.com has some times from today's test at Homestead, and this is notable because it's the first time they've tested the Firestone tires, but nobody's really had them. So this is a full test, and I think a surprise, one of the new teams, Cape Motorsports, and you know I have pretty good intel with them. That's where Jackson drove last year, and Dominique Cape said, hey, one of the reasons we decided to jump up is because everyone was going to have to learn the Firestone tires. This was a good yeah. time to get in. And we, by the way, ran a Firestone tire more than a decade ago in Indy Lights when we were there. I'm sure it's a little bit different, but they at least have some experience. They were fastest in the test today with Anam Ahmed, who I don't believe is confirmed for the season. I've not seen anything on that, so I'll just say he's testing for the day. But he was quickest, and he was six-tenths of a second quicker than anyone else today. Reese Gold of Hunkos Hollinger 
was second quick. Then Christian Rasmussen with HMD, Matteo Nanini of Hunkos Hollinger, Hunter McElray. By the way, those were all separated by three tenths. Nolan Siegel, Rasmus Lind, uh, Kiffin Simpson, Josh Green. Matt Brabham was filling in for Jacob Abel with Abel Motorsports. 19 cars on the track today and all separated by 1.2 seconds as everyone tries to learn the tires. And I believe, I haven't read the story. I, I think they have another day tomorrow, but I, I don't know that for certain. So uh, I can maybe confirm that in just a moment. So that's yeah, what we have out of that. It'll be, it's an interesting Indy Lights or an Indy Next uh, grouping. And, uh, you know, it's clear that the path from Next to the NTT IndyCar Series is real because I think it's like 15 of the 27 drivers uh, in the NTT IndyCar Series this year spent time in Indy Lights or Indy Next. So mm-hmm. it, there's a clear path and it's working. So good for us. Uh, other things I wanted to mention, I talked about, uh, I touched on this just at the very end of the show last week. We had a lot going on. Um, but Jackson and I were at the Thermal Club just after the New Year is always one part of my endeavor to avoid Indiana as much as possible. And that's just a beautiful area out there. And the track is, is impressive. The amenities are impressive. And Jackson drove a Porsche GT3 Cup car. He didn't do the full layout that IndyCar is going to do. So what they essentially do, they have four different tracks and two main tracks on opposite sides of the paddock, and they'll connect those to make one big track for IndyCar. So he did almost all of the layout. One day it was half the track. The other day it was the other half of the track and and got the sense that it's going to be challenging, certainly fun, and, and it was a great experience. Um, you know, it's still – the club has been there 10 years, but it's still in development stages. I'm going to guess that they're – you know, probably only 20% to capacity with the homes being built around for the members. It is, so I've been to some country club tracks before. This is at another level. If if you have the means to join this type of facility, you know, at some other places, a, a, a membership at a track means, all right, you get a garage there. It's a place to store your car and that's convenient. But you're still in charge of that car, preparing it if something goes wrong, fixing it. This is like an all-inclusive motorsports country club. So you walk out to the pit lane to get in your car. They have a staff of mechanics prepping your car. What time are you going to be there that day? It's there. They're there to take tire temperatures when you come in from the pit lane. There are pro coaches there to help. One of them was Cameron Shields who's going to be the Rolex 24 next weekend. I think he qualified third in, in class yesterday, and he I think he won a race in Indy Pro 2000 a couple of years ago. But, you know, one, it's just fascinating to see how how that uh, that side of the world lives and just to be fortunate enough to be invited to be a part of that. And, you know, Don Cusick is the, the connection there, and, and Jackson – tweeted out that he is now we talked about development drivers he's a development driver for cusick motorsports and and in all honesty what this is is don and i had a conversation about how we can work together they are one-off indy 500 team i've had pretty good success commercially putting a program together in in the road to indy so we're kind of combining efforts and i'm trying to help them with their program with with some of our partners and vice versa uh, and mostly 
Anders Krohn was our connection. Anders is Stefan Wilson's buddy. That's how they connected. And Anders is kind of the, the chief commercial director for Cusick Motorsports. And that was our introduction. And that's how it started. So uh, we'll look and see what we can make out of that. But it was really cool to get a chance to get a little bit of sneak peek of what IndyCar is in tune for in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it'll be fun to have all those cars and you know, kind of a new environment. We can't really draw a lot of conclusions. I wouldn't put a lot of stock in, in who was quickest at thermal, but you know, or who will be quickest, but it'll be something to kind of get, get kind of a first leg up on the season. One uh, team manager that I, I saw recently said he likes the fact that they're testing where they're not racing because, you know, in a test, you still would like to be fastest but you are working for a specific track and some things there. He said, now we really can just go through our checklist of the things that we want to do. And it doesn't matter about that particular track. And he thinks it's going to be very, very beneficial that they'll get through a lot of things, not worrying about specifics, but just doing things that will apply to a a lot of different tracks. The other thing I'll throw out there is I did my first taping session for the 100 days to Indy. Uh, documentary last week and i know many of the drivers did as well some went in multiple times so we'll try to share stories of that as we go along as to what that process is like and there's uh there's some some more news that i'm sure will be released in the coming weeks about that which we'll see sometime in march so that's all we have time for in this segment uh let's add one more thing here and we'll see what it was I, i thought the taping starts in april but it may start in march that's good the the airings the airings, yes. You're probably right. You're probably right. I'm just, I know it's not before March because it will be after the first race of the year. So I sure. actually have no idea. You're probably right because it's six episodes, right? It is. Yeah. So we'll learn more about that as we move forward and how we can watch it and so forth. We'll see what we missed and some other nuggets too coming up on Trackside. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Okay, final segment. Still a few minutes to chat in this one, and just cleaning up some things. Uh, Did get confirmation. Checking in with TrackSideOnline.com. The Indy Next test today was a one-day test. They'll have some more opportunities coming up uh, right before the season starts, so... That was all good. I don't think I mentioned why Matt Brabham was there. Matthew is filling in for Jacob Abel. I mentioned that. But Jacob has been running in a Formula Regional, like an F3 type car in New Zealand, getting some good experience. And I think he's had a couple of podiums there. So good stuff as we get uh, the Indy next season moving a, a little bit closer. And some of the storylines there, you know, the one that everybody in the uh, IndyCar world and, and Indy next world We're all fascinated at this grand experiment of nine cars on one team with HMD Motorsports. And they're opening up a big shop. If you're from the west side of Indianapolis area, you'll you know, the marsh over by Dawson's Two. 
uh, that's been closed for a few years, but they're taking over that building in Brownsburg and opening up uh, just a massive shop that will have more room for expansion. If they do IndyCar all on their own, there was a nice story on IndyCar.com a couple of days ago about what they're doing. So that's one of the things that we're fascinated to see how that all works out. Oh, one other nugget in Steve Wittick's story in TracksideOnline.com. He writes at the very end with a lot of news and notes. I did a little cut and paste on this that reigning Indy Next champion Linus Lundquist was at Homestead today working with HMD driver. So I knew that was happening. He's been coaching. But here's what he also writes. He's not going to get an entire IndyCar season, but a number of our sources, writes TSO Online, have told us that an Indianapolis 500 seat is getting closer. So that's fantastic. So I said we'd kind of rendezvous on that again. 31 confirmed. Here are the seats that I believe to still be left that could see us at 34. I think that's possible. I think it's going to be tough to go above that. But I I would, 33 is going to happen. I feel there's a decent chance at 34. Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan. Fourth car coming there. Second dry and Reinbold car is available. Not a lock, but available. And then either a fifth at Ganassi, probably likely for Jimmy Johnson, or a third at Dale Coyne. That's the 34, and then the others are, are, you know, kind of long shots, and probably only if it was needed to get to a 33. Or they're just overwhelmed by the budget aspects and the driver attached to that. That's the only scenario that I think Ed Carpenter racing runs an extra car, or, you know, Penske runs a fourth as they feel like they have to, but I think there's going to be someone else that's going to do that. And that won't be the case. So who would get the Ray Hall seat? My best guess has been Ryan Hunter Ray. I I suspect that they had the funding along with that, but I don't know that. And it's not been announced. Coin seat, you know, if Lundquist is close to something, that'd be my best guess. That's where he was attached through the HMD partnership from the last couple of years. But I don't know that. I'm sure he could potentially end up in a Dreyer and Reinbold second. My guess on Dreyer and Reinbold has been J.R. Hildebrand, but I don't know that either. And there could be some other wild cards out there. I mentioned Ed Jones earlier in the show, still has some budget. Um, I don't know that Charlie Kimball is close to anything, but I know at one point Charlie had some potential budget available, so maybe he's out there. R.C. Enerson is still in play for something. You know, I, I asked Kurt a, a few weeks ago, just we were talking about possibilities with James Hinchcliffe, and I can still say this and throw things out there because I have not spoken to Hinch about this for many, many, many months. We were all on a conference call together uh, a week or so ago, but that obviously didn't come up, so I feel that, hey, I can throw things against the wall. And, and from this perspective, it's been stated that the only way Honda runs that last engine lease, I think it would be 18, is for a special circumstance. Probably somebody like Jimmy Johnson. I would think James Hinchcliffe would also fit that bill. Someone that's working in television that you know you're going to get some attention from. So I, I don't know that that's happening. I suspect it's not. But I would just still put that out there. If they find something to make that happen, that probably ticks the boxes where they would supply an engine for James Hinchcliffe. So stand by for more on that. I missed your tweets. I'll get to them next week. We had a lot of good questions, so we'll save it for the next show because we're out of time. For Kurt and Josh, I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening to 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 
Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.